Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Well, the Denver Broncos defense certainly made some noise as they... Pretty much throttled the Tennessee Titans and Marcus Mariota, racking up a total of seven sacks and three interceptions. The first time that this has happened since September 16, 1984, which is begging the question in the Mile High City, does Vic Fangio and this Denver defense have potential to be one of the better defenses in the NFL? We're going to dive into that. Also, I want to preview the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit, and I want to go ahead and look at what the recipe is to beat the Kansas City Chiefs because it's actually simpler than a lot of people think. What's going on, everybody? This is Luke, host of Mile High Reports, Broncos on the Rocks, presented to you by SB Nation. And here we go. The Broncos are officially on a two-game winning streak. I know it sounds a little silly, to say that's a winning streak, only winning two games, but you know what? It's a start. And the way that the defense dominated the Titans, it's it's valuable. And it gives substance to the crafting of the identity of this team. Because right now, the Broncos don't have an identity, but they're on their way. And the old saying, defense wins championships, it's still true. And that's why Vic Fangio's here. That's why John Elway identified him as the head coach of the Denver Broncos. So here we go. It's an overreaction day, right? Two couple days after the, the victory. And we're looking at the Tennessee Titans. And I know half of Broncos countries, we're back. 
the old Vance Joseph saying, right? And the other half of Broncos country, I'm not so sold on it. I've been burnt before. So which Broncos defense is going to show up this week against the Kansas City Chiefs? On Thursday night, a short week, mind you, for the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs have just lost two in a row. The Houston Texans just went in their arrowhead and beat them. And two weeks ago, the Colts did the same thing. So the Chiefs are reeling right now. They're vulnerable. Pat Mahomes is nursing somewhat of a sore ankle. I'm not going to call it an injured ankle because the guy's still just balling out of control. But this Broncos defense has the potential to get after him. Let's talk about what the defense did against the Titans that can make them successful against the Chiefs. And first things first, I got to give credit where credit's due. That's credit to Vic Fangio and his coaching staff. Because one of the biggest things that Vic Fangio did this last week, and actually the past couple weeks, was make significant changes on the defense. Starting with your starters. Adam Gotsis has essentially been tossed to the wayside. Now, barring significant injury on the rest of your interior defensive line, I do not anticipate Adam Gotsis to be back in the starting lineup or even the rotation. Why? That's because of a guy named Mike Purcell. And Mike Purcell had one of his best games yesterday, racking up five tackles. He was all over the field, Mike Purcell. He's getting that interior defensive rush that the Broncos have so desperately needed. And it starts with benching Gotsis and putting Purcell in. Then you look at the next guy, Alexander, don't call me AJ Johnson. And the guy's been an animal. And because of his playing time, because of his contributions on this defense, Josie Jewell might not get his job back. Now, when Alexander Johnson's recording six tackles and one and a half sacks on top of playing special teams, it's really hard to try to take that linebacker out of the game. Now, the Broncos were criticized heavily in training camp for their lack of linebacking core, that inside linebacking threat. It was not there. Todd Davis was injured. Todd Davis, who's back, we're back again, six tackles. Todd Davis is all over the field. You seem to have locked down an inside linebacker in Alexander Johnson. Now, he does appear raw at times, a little bit out of position with his coverages, but I think he can be coached. And I think you're seeing a young player start to emerge and you're starting to see improvements from Alexander Johnson. Now, having Alexander Johnson in the lineup without Josie Jewell was a significant change, but how about Kareem Jackson moving from corner back to home position at safety? It's made all the difference in the world. Now, Kareem Jackson has been one of the defining factors of the run defense. This guy has come up and been willing to hit just about anything in the mouth. Anyone in the mouth, I think that he's eventually going to be, for this game, he's going to be your Travis Kelsey killer. He has got to be your Kelsey killer. When Kelsey catches that ball, because make no mistake, Travis Kelsey will find a way to get open. You can expect Kareem Jackson to be all over him. And quite frankly, that's what the Broncos need. The Broncos have had a glaring weakness covering the tight end slash middle of the field in passing 
and you cannot give Travis Kelsey the ball on defense and think that you can survive it. You cannot withstand Travis Kelsey and Pat Mahomes. That's just the fact of the matter. But you look at another player in Demarcus Walker. He seemed to have had a resurrection of his career. We tossed him aside last year with Vance Joseph's crew, thinking, what a bust. Here we go again. And you have Demarcus Walker out there getting three tackles and two sacks. You've got Devontae Harris, who is filling in for the injured Duke Dawson. And Isaac Adam, I thought he played well at times, but I digress. Devontae Harris made a significant difference and played very solid at the cornerback position. I liked what I saw. I think he has good fundamentals. And I think with some more coaching, he has the potential to be in situations that will allow him to make impact plays. Sound tackles, I'm not saying he's going to be an all-pro corner, but you look for fundamental tackling and fundamental coverage with this young cornerback. I think that's what you're going to get in Devontae Harris. Now, as you start going through this this defense, this defense for the Broncos, rather, Derek Wolf, you know that. Wolf's one of my favorite players. It's so hard for me to be objective with Derek Wolf. I've gotten to cover the guy. I've gone to private events with him and asked him some questions. And I just love the guy. I love his intensity. I love his um, outlook on life and family. And I love his competitiveness, especially on the field. He got three tackles and two sacks. You look at Shelby Harris. He's registering three tackles and a sack. And then you got to look at the defensive backs. And I'm not going to call them the no-fly zone because that's done. Anyone who's still calling them the no-fly zone, Chris Harris Jr. included, I'm sorry. It's just that's outdated and it's just that's it'll never be. Super Bowl 50, that team will always have the no-fly zone. But that being said, three interceptions, pretty damn impressive, especially when you're looking at Justin Simmons. He's been a ball hawk since training camp, right? He locked down an interception. You look at Chris Harris Jr., he's locking down an interception. The Broncos' defense was just outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And when Chris Harris Jr. was asked a little bit about the significance for, you know, Champ Bailey and Mr. Bailey and Mr. Bolin to get their Hall of Fame rings, I loved what Chris Harris had to say. He said, quote, I had it in my mind to put on a show for these guys, especially Champ. I told him I'd give him my football for my 20th pick, end quote. And that's exactly what he did as Champ Bailey, first ballot Hall of Famer, entered in the ring of fame for the Broncos and his pupil, Chris Harris Jr., there to deliver with one of the best defensive performances that the Broncos have done in years. I referenced it at the top of the show. September 16th, 1984 was the last time this defense got seven sacks and three interceptions. It's significant, but you know what? I'm still a little uncertain. And I don't mean to bring down everybody's positivity, but I'm looking at Vaughn. And Vaughn Miller, he had one tackle and half of a sack. Now, Coach's Tape comes out today, and I can't wait to review the game and figure it out. I preach on it every week. Go get NFL Game Pass, Coach's Film. Watch it for yourself. Vaughn Miller, I know he's getting chipped, okay? I know he's getting double teamed right around 25% of the time. But I can tell you this, at times... It looked like 
Although Vaughn was containing his his edge and his side, it looked like he could do just a little bit more. It looked like he could get there just a little bit quicker. Now, although his sacks aren't impressive, half a sack, nobody wants half a sack, and one tackle, I will tell you this. Vaughn Miller did lead the team in overall quarterback hits with three. So he was harassing the quarterback, and speaking of quarterback play, Marcus Mariota was absolutely terrible. I did not think he was that bad (laughs) until I started watching him play. And then when the Denver defense, Fangio's defense, just unleashes hell, that eventually had to send Mariota to the bench. And when Ryan Tannehill is coming in to try to salvage any hope of an offensive positive gain, you've got problems. So for all the quarterback misses that John always had, for all the quarterback free agency, drafts, what have you, it's never been as bad as Marcus Mariota. So that's one thing they got going for him. Um, But I think really you just have to give so much credit to Vic Fangio and his coaching staff to have the courage and the wherewithal to make some necessary changes, including benching some starters. I mean, Corey Nelson... Didn't get any reps. Inside linebacker, I know he was brought in late, but he didn't get any reps. You know why? Because Alexander Johnson, he is seeing all that time. And he is here to play. So, here we go. Thursday night football. How do you beat the Kansas City Chiefs? How do you stop Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback, arguably, in the NFL? The guy's only thrown one pick this year. He's got the no-look pass. He's got all the charisma. He's got all the athleticism. He's got the brain. He's got it all, right? And he's got Andy Reid, offensive genius, guru, what have you. How do you stop the Chiefs? It's real simple. It's going to sound ticky-tacky, but I don't really care. You pound the rock and you chew the clock. It's that simple. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. You look at them as a team and they're right where you'd think they'd be. Passing yards, they lead the league with 339 yards. Yards per game, they're third in the league with 422. And then you look at points, and they're fifth in the league with right just above 28. So you know that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to put up points. You know that they're going to put up yards. How do you contain that? It's real simple. Your offense goes to work. Look at the last two losses that the Kansas City Chiefs have suffered. First to the Indianapolis Colts, and then second to the Houston Texans last week. And the most glaring blueprint for how to beat this team is there. You rush the ball. Bottom line, Houston last week had 192 rushing yards. That's 40 minutes time of possession for their offense. I watched that game as Pat Mahomes lingered on the sideline for most of the third quarter. That's how you beat this team. You keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. Indianapolis knew this. They're the first ones to figure it out. Houston stole their game plan almost the, uh, to a T. Now with Indianapolis, they had 180 rushing yards. That's 37 minutes of holding the football, time of possession. So if you're the Broncos, I've been saying it for weeks Run the ball. But Luke, they are running the ball. Have you not seen Philip Lindsay? The guy averaged 4.7 yards a carry. Yeah, I saw it. 15 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown. I saw it. Royce Freeman, 11 carries, 34 yards. Very underwhelming. I saw it. 
But you know what else I saw? An offense that continues to struggle. An offense that is 26th in the NFL of points per game. 17.7 is the average points per game that the Denver Broncos are scoring. They are 2 for 14 on third down last Sunday. 2 for 14. That's unacceptable. You look at time of possession, 29 minutes and 46 seconds. Not that long. So if they want to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, they have to hang on to the ball 10 minutes more than last week. They need to convert significantly more third downs to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And what they can't do is they can't suffer penalties. Last week against the Tennessee Titans, eight penalties for 51 yards against the Denver Broncos. That's offense and defense. Now, I'm not saying I agreed with all of them. Uh, I think refereeing is at an absolute worst, all-time low, if you will. Uh, To play cornerback in this league or defensive back or even pass rusher, I think has just become one of the biggest challenges in the NFL. Because week in and week out, I see cornerbacks and safeties flagged for pass interference and holding calls that should not be penalized at all. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. But you cannot let the referees determine how to win this game. Now, you start with the quarterback and Joe Flacco going 18 for 28, 177 yards and a pick. Very underwhelming performance. Um, I had a lot of problems with Joe Flacco in this game. One of the biggest problems I had, him and Connor McGovern. They've had struggles with shotgun snaps all the way back since training camp. And I remember sitting there with the rest of the media on the sideline watching those struggles in training camp, wondering if it would linger into the season. And you know what? It has. And it is continuing to be a problem for the Broncos offense. So instead of taking practice snaps on the sideline, you know, something that high schoolers do, college athletes do. You see Joe Flacco yucking it up with T.C. McCartney, his quarterback coach. You see Connor, Connor McGovern sitting there with the rest of the offensive line. And it infuriates me because they have not fixed the problem. Sometimes you need to take those elementary steps to get you where you need to go. I'm not saying it's an easy job. I think Connor McGovern is a serviceable center. I think he's an above average guard. That being said, he's a serviceable center. He's a guard that's continually trying to play center. I think Dalton Reisner has allowed him to uh, improve significantly with his blocking and his calls. But Dalton Reisner is going to do that with just about anybody. And 
Joe Flacco just, I don't know. I'm just not seeing the passion. It's the same old thing with him. He's not the problem, but he's certainly not the answer either. So as you look at Joe Flacco coming into this Kansas City game, I need him to be what he is. And that's just a game manager. I don't need him to throw any more interceptions. I think he's thrown four interceptions in four games. Um, It's almost, you can just put money on it. He's going to throw a pick. And I have a problem with that interception that he threw last week. But we're going to dive into that a little bit later. So, if you're the Broncos offense, you have to run the ball, right? That's what I said. That's how you beat this Kansas City Chiefs team. But... You run the ball with Royce Freeman. Run the ball with Royce Freeman. I've said it. He's your banger. He's your featured running back. Because your secret weapon, Philip Lindsay, he's not being utilized the way he should be. His natural position on that football field isn't running back. It's not wide receiver. He's a playmaker, bottom line. Now, he may be undersized. He may be... um, significantly outmanned when it comes to a defender in terms of overall beating and size, but I'm willing to put his athleticism and speed up against just about anyone. Why can't Philip Lindsay be Tyreek Hill? Somebody answer me that. I've asked it since day one. Philip Lindsay is too valuable to be running through the tackles. I need that guy in open space. He is a nightmare mismatch for any linebacker or corner in the slot. And for the love of God, can somebody please explain to me why Royce Freeman and Andy Janovich are flexed out as wide receivers in this Rich Scangarello offense? It makes zero sense, and it it just makes my blood boil. It makes zero sense. You're willing to flex your fullback, Andy Janovich, who you just gave a three-year, $5.7 million deal to, uh, deservedly so, but you gave your sixth best offensive lineman, actually your second best offensive lineman, Andy Janovich, you're giving him the wide receiver position, but you won't give Phil that? I don't get it. I just don't get it. It makes no sense to me because the bottom line is the Broncos need to find a number two receiver. Who is that number two wide receiver? We know it's not Emmanuel Sanders because something's going on with him. Now, he had one catch in the first half, didn't get any yards, um, and he didn't return. He had a knee injury. Um, We don't know the extent of it. Coach Fangio came out yesterday and said he was not sure of the extent of it, whether that just be media, malarkey, who knows. But right now, something's going on with Emmanuel. That chemistry's not there. I don't with Joe Flacco. I don't know if it's a health thing. I don't know if it's a mental fatigue thing. Um, not sure what's going on with Emmanuel because in week one, week two, the guy was firing on all cylinders. I know he had some problems slipping, but the guy's ready to play football. Now we just don't know what's going on there. That being said, Deshaun Hamilton decided to show up. Caught the ball a couple times for 25 yards. No drops. Deshaun Hamilton, this is your chance. You are getting a second chance in the NFL right now. Deshaun Hamilton was the most frustrating player in training camp this year. Why? Because he actually took a step back. Cortland Sutton, he took that step up. And 
He's becoming a franchise. You know what? I, I take that back. He's already become a franchise wide receiver. Now, he only had four catches for 76 yards. But you can see Cortland Sutton improving week to week. His route running has gotten significantly better. I like the fact that Cortland Sutton does not shy from contact. He fights for those extra yards, and he does so in an intelligent way. He knows when to get down, and he knows when to push the pile a little bit. But right now, who is that number two wide receiver? I'll tell you who it was last week, and you're not going to guess. It was Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman... Finished up as second best wide receiver with five receptions and 42 yards. That's your backup running back. Because Philip Lindsay, he's your starting running back. I don't think he's a running back. I think they're using him incorrectly. I think they can be utilizing his talents so much better. But he's essentially, Philip Lindsay's your starting running back. Your backup running back is your second best wide receiver. And it's not Theo Riddick who's still hurt. It's Royce Freeman. Now, Royce Freeman has gotten significantly better in route running and pass catching abilities has been um, a big focal point for him in this last offseason. But Deshaun Hamilton, this is your chance. Put those dropped passes behind you. Put the terrible training camp behind you. You were drafted to Denver with Cortland Sutton, so you too could be the, the future. This is your chance. This is your moment, and if you don't capture it, Someone else will. I feel like Eminem saying that. This is your moment. Eight mile, right? But Noah Fant, first round draft pick, 2019. I still think he has something to prove. Now, for me, Noah Fant, he leaves so much to be desired. I got to bring it up. The interception. Joe Flacco threw. Um, I, I wasn't happy about it for a couple different reasons. Now, I think Joe Flacco ultimately underthrew Noah Fant. For those of you that didn't see it, uh, it was about, I think, a significant or an approximate 30 to 40-yard pass that the ball ended up hitting Noah Fant in the back and ended up getting swiped for an interception. Now, when you go back and you start to watch film a little bit, you see that Noah Fant doesn't really seem to be putting a lot of effort from the get-go in his route running. Um, the guy doesn't even try to look for the ball. It was a, it was an embarrassing youth football moment and it takes two to tango. I don't just put that on Noah fan. I put it on Joe Flacco also, but when you see the lack of effort to turn around and try and tackle that defender who just picked off your pass that was designated for you because you're the first round draft pick, you're the future, you're the vertical threat and you don't get out there and try to get that defender, that's a significant problem, and that's embarrassing. Now, I wrote about it earlier this year. Dallas Clark, former Indianapolis Colt, with Brandon Stokely and Peyton Manning and some of those good Colts teams of old, also an Iowa Hawkeye, right? And Dallas Clark came out and said he had a conversation with Noah Fant, talking a little bit more about giving your all giving your best shot, putting more effort into things. And I don't know what it's going to take for fans to get there. I don't know how much of it is offensive scheme and whether or not Rich Gangarello is not utilizing Noah Fant because Jeff Hireman got the start last week. I'm scratching my head there. Jeff, the flash Hireman, getting a start over your 2019 first-round draft pick Noah Fant, your vertical passing threat, your red zone weapon. Something's up there. Do the Broncos not trust Fant? Is Fant getting outworked by Hireman? 
when I saw him in training camp, um, it appeared like there was a rookie gap. Obviously, this was full disclosure. This is my first training camp that I got to cover for Mile High Report credentialed. I have not covered a training camp. I've seen the training camps as a fan, but it seemed like the rookie margin for error was certainly apparent with Noah Fant. So you can't really dog the guy for trying to adjust to life in the NFL, but you can certainly scratch your head and question things when other teammates are questioning his effort. Other teammates are shouting at him in practice to pick it up. Let's just say that. So, no event. I got to see some more effort. This was supposed to be the game that was his breakout game. The Tennessee Titans, they give up a lot of yards and a lot of points to opposing tight ends. No event wasn't even really an issue. It wasn't even a significant player in this game. So, I've got significant problems there with your passing game. But this week... It's all about running that rock, controlling that clock as the Denver Broncos take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, It's been four years since the Broncos beat the Chiefs. Peyton Manning. It's been since Peyton Manning's retired since the Broncos have beat the Chiefs. And I know that the Broncos are sick of it. You know that the Broncos want to get back to AFC West glory. They're a long way from getting there. But don't kid yourselves. This is the biggest game for the Broncos this year. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs at home, Thursday night football, it's the only primetime game, I think, the rest of the year that the Broncos have. The Denver defense, Fangio's defense, can put the league on notice in this game. The Kansas City Chiefs aren't unbeatable. They just lost two games in a row. The Broncos... They just won two games in a row. You're at home. I need that mile-high magic. I need the crowd. I need Broncos country to step up and help beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It's that simple. I need that place to be loud, just like in Arrowhead, right? Arrowhead and Seattle and some of those other opposing uh, stadiums have such a reputation for being loud. Envision Field or Empower Field, excuse me, at mile-high. That needs to be loud too. The fans need to get rocking. And you know what? The Broncos offense, it might be a boring game. It might be a quick game. Run the ball. Hang on to the ball. Do not dig yourself into a hole and start to panic. We've seen the Broncos do that over the years. I do not want the Broncos to come out passing the ball or just a couple inside handoffs to Philip Lindsay and the rushing attack isn't getting there and abandon it. That is not the key to beat this team. Be patient with the Chiefs. They will give up yards. They will give up points. You just have to stay patient. You have to stay consistent. Feed your offensive line. And I think that the Broncos will ultimately have success. Now, right now I've got the Broncos losing a heartbreaker. 20-17 to to this team. Um, I just see this offense struggling to put up above 17 points when they're 26th in the NFL, and that's their average right now, 17 points per game. Uh, I just have such a problem with that, but I hope I'm wrong because this Denver defense, if they do anything like they did last week. I'm not going to say they're going to get seven sacks and three interceptions because Patrick Mahomes is too good for that. He's not going to, he's not Marcus Mariota. He's not Ryan Tannehill. 
He is a whole nother universe from those guys, and he's not going to allow that. Andy Reid's not going to allow that. And the Chiefs' offensive line, they're a little battered. I think the left tackle for Kansas City is a backup right now. So it's time to get after it if you're the Denver Broncos. Thank you guys so much for joining me here on this edition of Broncos on the Rocks. Please be sure to check us out and give us a review on Spotify and iTunes. Check out all of our info on milehighreport.com. And always remember, believe in that Mile High Magic.